When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Always a pleasure to welcome in EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. You can catch him on NHL Now from 4 to 6 Eastern. It's Saturday Showcase. He's doing play-by-play with Kevin Weeks. He's the man about town, looking great. Saw him on Monday. You're looking fabulous, brother. How are you, EJ? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying. I mean, I I think, though, we got to start with the big question of the day. What's that? Which is, which Ranger will fight with Jordan Bennington tonight? Because Jordan Bennington is on a little bit of a run, likes fighting. And uh, let's see which Ranger he's going to decide to go with tonight at the Garden on Monday night. Well, it's not going to be Ryan Reeves, I can tell you that. (laughs) No, it will not be. I guess it would be Jacob Truba make it three straight games with a fight. So yeah, there you go. Let's see if he wants to mess with Truba. Yeah, the Jets and the Blues back in the day. I mean, when Truba was a member of the the Jets, they had some nasty games. Why not? Yeah, why not? That would be something why to look not? forward to. But you know, you started off with the Rangers, and I and I think a lot of people that download this podcast are wondering, you know, what's going on with them. And and, and I thought about it. You know, you go back to they're up two games to none on the Lightning in the conference final. I mean, they're two wins away from going to a yep. Stanley Cup final. And they've won 10 games since then. <laughs> they lost the four straight in the playoffs. They've won mm-hmm. just 10 of what their first, you know, 26 games this year. They've been brutal at home. Uh, I've called a lot of their games, I, I've worked every one of them. Just something seems to be missing, EJ. Just it, they're not they're not a bad team, and there's talent on this team, and, and clearly the goaltending isn't anywhere near where it was last year. But I don't think that's the sole problem. You you got to see them live against a really good Devil team on Monday. Something seems to be missing. Uh, is there anything Chris Drury needs to do, will do, or do you just kind of wait and and hope that a really talented team kind of finds itself? Well, I think that you do have to, I think, show a degree of patience. Um, you know, as you point out, the team went to the conference final last year. I still take a look at their team. The goalie is still good. He's not quite as good as he was last year, but he's he's still very good. Uh, I think the group of six defensemen is very good on the whole. Um, you know, up front, it's kind of a little bit of a weird thing. Now, we knew Kreider probably wasn't going to have 52 again, and as I've I've been saying for a while now, I thought this would definitely be more adversity this season for the Rangers, and it's been the case. I mean, last year there, was, uh, there wasn't a lot of adversity for them. Everything seemed, they seemed to find their way, and on nights when they, when they should have lost, they won, and, you know, everything was wonderful, and that happened some years, but this is a different year, and so I do think they have to have a little patience, but, you know, when I look at their roster, especially up front, I, it's a, it's, the mix seems to be off. The young kids are not kind of taking that next step to the place where they need to be. Um, the veteran players, the veteran stars on the team have been good, but maybe not as good as last year. And then the back end forwards, 
to me, that's uh, that's an area where Chris Drury, that bottom six, I mean, he traded Ryan Reeves out of there, and, you know, I guess Ryan Reeves, it was time for the Rangers to move on, but, you know, I've, got, I've seen a couple of the Minnesota games, and Ryan Reeves is playing, and he's, you know, doing what he does. He's creating some energy for the Wild, and, you know, uh, I think that a player like that still, I mean, for the, especially with the Rangers team, um, you know, I think he serves more of a purpose than a Sammy Blay, for example, or, you know, and, and Ryan Carpenter hasn't done a whole heck of a lot for them. I mean, their they're back-end group, when you combine the back-end group with the fact that the younger players are not taking another step, I think that's really the problem for where the Rangers are. Yeah. They need those younger players to take a step, and also they need to have their back-end forwards be better, and I think those are areas where Chris Drury is going to have to make some decisions. You know, it's interesting because right in the same area, the New Jersey Devils, they had two very high picks, two first overall picks in Heashier and Hughes, and, and now they're starting to reap the benefits of those players. It took a little while, but health reasons were were a major concern, but now they're healthy and you're starting to see why they were top picks. And Heedle and Kako, uh, Kako and Lafreniere are going to be compared to those two. One's a first overall pick, the other one a second overall pick in Kako. And they're, they should be further along. They're not. Is, is it just the case of what you've always told me, Jay? You know, the center position and the wing positions are just different, more impactful. Is Heeshear and Hughes just better fits and can be more impactful because they're centers as compared to wingers for Lafreniere and Kaka? Well, they, they can drive a little bit more because of that. Um, Hughes has been kind of moved around. He's playing the middle. He's playing the wing. He's kind of a unique player. Um, he's just so darn quick, and uh, he's got such a high skill level that he's been, you know, really been able to make a difference. He's staying healthy this year. And he sure, I think he sure has always been a really good player, and had some health issues the last couple of years, but you talk to the to the people that had him in the Quebec League, and you know they had some good players and uh, those franchises there, and they think he's every bit as good as anybody they ever had there. And uh, I can remember watching Isher play in the World Juniors, and you know he was a really impactful player then, and now he's healthy, and he's had a couple of years into his career, and he's the captain, and he's been a he's been a really Strong, two hundred by eighty-five foot force for the Devils. So yeah, I, I think that makes a difference. And uh, you know, still, I don't know if the jury's out. We've had a strange time. We had, you know, COVID season, and development has been kind of slowed by all the things that have gone on around, you know, players in this last couple of years. But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, this is a winning business, as they like to say. And uh, you know, these uh, young players have to produce and. Uh, you know, the, the clock is ticking. So I think that's an area that Chris Drury, like I said, I think that in the back end forward, he's going to have to consider. And, you know, maybe at some point he thinks about maybe uh, moving one or more of those players yeah. for different pieces that can help them. But, you know, those young guys, they are making, you know, they're, they're on those lesser deals for the most part. And that's, that's helpful to most teams right now that are in, you know, a cap bunch because the cap hasn't gone up in the last couple of years. You know, the scary thing in this Eastern Conference, uh, because the West seems to be very wide open and nobody's really been able to to kind of, you know, get things going to a scary point yet. You know, Seattle had their seven-game winning streak, but I'm not sure, you know, that that's much of a game-changer in that conference. But Boston's just been unstoppable. Toronto very quietly hasn't lost in regulation in 10. 
Tampa's won eight of their last ten. Devils have been on fire. Carolina's won four in a row. Florida's won a couple in a row. I mean, you know, when you look at the Rangers and you say, well, why are you so concerned? They're two points out of a playoff spot, but they've played uh, the most games in the conference, and, and you're starting to see as we get deeper into December here, there's some teams that are starting to find it. Really good teams that are starting to find it. You could dig yourself a hole here where really all you're looking for is to just try to sneak in. Uh, uh, Being a top three team in each division, the way things are going right now, is going to be tough to do. Yeah, I think that's I mean, I think that's really the key in the league league these days where everything is so cool. You just have to find a way in. I mean, now your path will be more difficult based on the fact that, uh, you know, if you're the last, you know, if you're the eighth seed, I mean, you, you've got more challenges. But it's, it's it's not a road that you can't travel. It's just the league is really close, and the Rangers have a really good goalie. And if he's playing well, time of the playoffs that they're in, I mean, and I like their group of defensemen, they're going to be a hard out. So, I mean, yeah, uh, they got to find their way in. Now, there's definitely more adversity so far. I think that will, you know, the boat will continue to rock throughout the season. They'll have to find a way to mitigate against that. I think Chris Drury will make moves as we get deeper into the season. Probably a little limited right now because of the fact that, uh, you know, with the cap, the moves you'd like to make, sometimes you got to wait until it's deeper into things and, and the cap hit isn't as significant. So uh, we'll see. Um, I mean, I, I just think that it's hard. I mean, the Devils are going to be in this year. The Islanders are playing better. Those two teams were not in last year. So that right. means two teams have to come out of the mix. And, you know, it's been a challenge for Washington. Pittsburgh has played better lately. The Rangers, we've just talked. So two teams have to come out if those two teams are going in. And uh, we got a lot of hockey left to play. It can get uh, it can get late early if you don't find your way. And of late, the Rangers have struggled. I think it's interesting their game against St. Louis coming up Monday night. Here at the Garden is just, uh, you know, the Blues have had really a lot of struggles of late. So, you know, who's going to figure that one out tonight? That's going to be an interesting matchup. Yeah, eight losses in a row, seven wins in a row, three losses in a row. I mean, the Blues at any moment can look like the best team in the league and the worst team in the league. So we'll find out tonight when they take on the Rangers in a pretty big uh, December 5th game. Speaking of big games, I'm sure you're going to talk about this um, definitely tomorrow on your show, Leafs and Stars. Do yeah. you realize that's the first time in the history of the National Hockey League that we will see two players on 18-game point streaks playing in the same game in Robertson and yeah. uh, Marner? That's pretty amazing. And both guys have been have been pretty amazing during their respective streaks. I got to call... The Stars-Minnesota uh, Wild game on Sunday afternoon with Mike Johnson, and it was a, it was a crazy game, and the oh, Stars yeah. rallied from 5-1 down in the third to tie it late, and then they went to a shootout, and in the shootout, five of the six uh, shooters scored, and Minnesota ended up winning the shootout. Um, but Jason Robertson, he's one of my favorite players in the league because he's so – He's just so smart. He's long. He's 6'3". He's, uh, he's precise with the way he shoots the puck. I talked to Pete DeBoer on Friday night, and Pete said, you know, he brought up a name, and, you know, I, I, I don't really uh, maybe associate this name, but maybe a different era, a different situation. He said, hey, he's like a Mike Bossy, the way that he shoots. He just finds he's got a precision in his shot, and 
you know, he leads the league in goals right now, and he's on this long stint, the long string. And then on the flip side, Mitch Marner, he's on an even longer stretch. And, uh, you know, coming up, he seems to be gaining confidence as the, as the streak goes along. He had a big goal the other night down in Tampa and an, an overtime loss for the Leafs that uh, sent the game to overtime. And uh, I think it was a power play and a shorthand goal in the game, if I'm not mistaken. But... Uh, yeah, he's been terrific as well, so I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be in Dallas. The two teams played a really interesting game in Toronto earlier in the year. It was an overtime that was won by a Robertson, but it wasn't Jason. It was his brother Nick who scored for the Leafs. So there's a lot of good uh, storylines mm. coming up in that one on Tuesday night uh, in Dallas. Let me ask you a difficult question, EJ. I think you might be able to handle this. Right. We're getting we're getting to that time of year where you start to wonder, right, what, what's the first shoot it's going to drop? Uh, a coach can get fired. You know, we you know they're already talking about Gerard Gallant here in New York, which I think is ridiculous. But still, that's what happens in the sport, right? It's an easy thing to change yep. the coach rather than the roster of players. If you're a general manager and you're looking to make a change, is Joel Quinville on your list? And, and when when can he be? When when does it become enough time where you can actually think of bringing a Quinville back? For me, I think Joel Quinville would be on my list of guys to think about. I think you have to then make the call to the commissioner and have that conversation with the commissioner about you know what his standing is in the league because there's no sense going down unless you feel he can come back. Um you know, the situation with Joel is is unique. I, I, to be honest, when we, you know, when the whole thing with the Kyle Beach story, you know, kind of took over the, the hockey landscape last October, November, we talked a lot about it on our show. I was very critical of Joel because at the end of the day, the video coach and the head coach have a pretty tight bond. They, they, there's a lot of discussion there. And... When it, I know it wasn't Joel's decision necessarily to leave him on, but I just think, you know, as a head coach, you know, maybe Joel's suggestion could have been, you know, maybe we send him home. Or, we, you know, and at the end of the day, this is stuff that happened 10 years ago and, uh, or more. But nonetheless, it was, it was bad decisions. And we see that everybody has kind of paid a price for those bad decisions, as they should. Um, so I held Joel Quenville a little more accountable. I think the thing that really did hurt Joel in all this was that he was asked about it in July of 2021 as it started to become a story. And Joel at the time basically said, well, I didn't really know about it, which was not true as it turned out. I think it, better, it would have served Joel's purpose better just to say that, you know, there's an investigation, ongoing investigation, and when it's over, we can talk about it. Right now, I prefer not to. But he kind of misled people when asked when he didn't really have to. And uh, so I think that's something that really mitigates against Joel and was kind of part of the reason that he ended up taking the fall that he did and, uh, you know, was, was moved out of Florida. Now, like I said, I mean, there's a time... Uh, that goes by. I think that uh, I think people should be given an opportunity to to maybe make amends. 
but again, I think it's. I think for me, he'd be on a list. I would call the commissioner's office. I would have that conversation with the commissioner, and then I would have to go by what the commissioner tells me. If the commissioner tells me, listen, it's it's not time, or no, he's not someone you should consider at this time. Well, then I'd have to move on. Because there are, you know, that's another thing to consider, Don, is that even if you get the okay from the league office, now you're you're there's baggage that comes with that, and if you're making a coaching change, your team is already in some sort of disarray, and now you have you're adding another layer of baggage to that circumstance. So, Joel's a hell of a coach. I like Joel personally. I think he could have handled that situation when it happened back in 2010, maybe differently. Um, I certainly think he could have handled the questions that were asked of him in July of 2021 differently. He should have. Right. And, uh, you know, he are. But I think Joel is, uh, I like Joel as a person, and I think he's had a long career in hockey, and he's been a, he was a hell of a coach. And, you know, it's, uh, it's something that the league office, you know, again, if you're considering of it, you have to, you have to, that's the first thing you have to do yeah. is make that phone call and find where he's at. Now, he's obviously not banned for life, and he will coach again. It's just a matter of what, what well, the timing of it, but right? We, don't know we didn't know that, John. We really don't. Joel is not, uh, you know, a 45-year-old man. He's in his 60s. He's coached a long time, and you right. know, maybe he will never coach. Well, that, we no, no, that's possible. I mean, maybe, yeah. But there wasn't a lifetime banishment that was placed upon him. What I'm saying is that if it's just a matter of how long is okay. Now, maybe maybe, maybe there isn't a time. Maybe five years from now, ten years from now, there'll be backlash if you try to bring him back. But if the league yeah. says yes, and, and listen, you know how winning is a salve. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people upset, and then he rattles off a bunch of wins, and the team's in contention. It can get forgot about again. But I think you bring up some excellent yeah. points. Is you have them on your list, you do your due diligence, but it prob- I don't think it'll happen this year. But you go into next year, now you're a couple of years removed. Uh, maybe it uh, hits a little different, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really it. And really, at the end of the day, you know, that's a decision that ownership of a particular team and then, of course, the hierarchy of the league will have to discuss. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, as I said, I, I've known Joel uh, just, you know, not as a friend, but somebody obviously I covered. For many years, and remember him as a player, and mm-hmm. you know he's a. I like Joel. I don't know what else to say. I'm not yeah. going to say I'm not going to sit here and say you don't like him. I like him as a person. I think that you know could have done some things differently. Should have done some things differently. But at the end of the day, to your point, um, you know, is there room for him to return? And I guess we'll. I guess we'll find out down the road. Um, before we let you go, because I know you got to run. On Friday, we had Denny Potvin on. And he retold the story of Mike Keenan reaching out to him in 1993 to come out of retirement and join the Rangers and actually offered him number five. And he just, he wanted to do it. He said he would have done it, but the back just wasn't ready and he just couldn't do it. But EJ, I ask you as somebody who grew up as an Islander fan, how crippling emotionally would it have been for you to see Dennis Potvin skating with the 93-94 Rangers and raising a Stanley Cup after a Game 7 win against Vancouver wearing number 5 Potvin on a blue shirt jersey. Well, it wouldn't have been really emotionally crippling for me. 
I mean, okay. I, I can't speak for other people who grew up Islander fans. I mean, I was well past it by that point. Okay. But, I mean, it would have been, been a great story, though. I mean, it would have been an unbelievable story with all that's happened with, you know, the, the relationship between the fans of the New York Rangers and MSG and Dennis Potvin. I mean, it would the, the history of that relationship would have been forever changed. And it, it kind of would have been kind of, I don't know, you know, to me, it might have been just funny to see it because Ranger fans who hated this guy would have to now cheer for him as, as a guy that helped them win their first Stanley Cup in, what was it, 54 years at the time? And their only Stanley Cup, I guess it is, in nine, almost 90 years. Yeah. So that would have been kind of a, an ironic, funny, weird, strange twist to the whole strange tale, really, because, you know, for, for a guy to continue to be booed and a special cheer negative in a negative way about a guy who has not played in the NHL for I mean what is it now 40 years something along those lines I mean it's kind of crazy yeah it's kind of crazy so yeah it would have been something if that would have if that would have taken place uh for sure but uh alas it did not it's kind of like the story of uh the Kings when Wayne Gretzky was in LA Bruce McDowell reaching out to Mike Bossy and trying to get Mike Bossy to come back and play alongside Wayne Gretzky, and it was a similar situation. Mike thought about it and just just physically couldn't do it. Yeah, some great stories. It was a lot of fun to talk to Danny. And I, I I thought of oh. you. I thought of that picture of you with a little Islander T-shirt with a very small tree outside the Coliseum that probably is That's a great right. oak by now. <laughs> Yes, exactly right. I said when I showed you that picture, we laughed because I said the only thing in this picture that has changed was me. Because <laughs> right. the Coliseum, and this was like 2010. We're like that was before like the refit of the Coliseum. We were like right. Coliseum looks the same. Everything looks the same. The cracks in the sidewalk. The right. Everything looks the same. The only thing that's different is I'm not the 14, 15 year old kid standing there anymore. Right. So, so <laughs> sure. anyway. All right. Yeah. I know you got a meeting to go to. We'll talk to you next week, man. Thanks. You got it, buddy. All right. That is great, EJ Raddick. Always fun to talk to him. Uh, games tonight in the NHL. We were just talking about the Blues and the Rangers. I think this is a huge game for the Rangers. I'm not predicting any kind of major changes yet, but think about that. The Rangers have played 30 games since they were up two games to none against the Lightning in the conference final. And in that span of time, they are. They have a wreck of 30 games played, have won 10 of them. I mean, think about that, or you know, or 11 of them. So that that's got to be frustrating for a lot of people to just see what was on the verge of becoming a miracle run to the Stanley Cup final to a team that has just been quite average. I mean, 11, 10, and five. I mean, think of their home record right now: four, six, and four. I mean, just 12 points in 14 games at home. Now, if you're looking for a positive, the last time the Rangers were that bad at home to start the season, you got to go back to 13-14. If you remember that year, they had to start the first eight games on the road because of the reimagining of Madison Square Garden. When they came home, they were brutal. Uh, They only got 11 points in the first 14 games at home. It even got worse, and then they were able to turn around and win a Stanley Cup. So I think that's what EJ's trying to tell you is that the pieces are there. The team that got so close last year is still here. 
It just has to get out of it. But you're starting to get to a point now as you get deeper and deeper into the season where winning the division, getting home ice advantage, or even securing a playoff spot until very late might have already sailed. So, yeah, this team can still win a Stanley Cup, but it still very much can miss the playoffs as well. Or at least put themselves in a situation where they're going to have to do it all on the road and they're going to have to do it from an unenviable position of maybe having to play, say, a Boston Bruins team in the first round of the playoffs who's the best team in the NHL right now outside of New Jersey. So you can dig yourself a hole to just make it so much harder to be able to make that run. And as far as the Blues, which Blues team is going to come back and play? You know, Pavel Bushnevich returning to Madison Square Garden and all that. Uh, Avalanche will be in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers. Things starting to turn around for Colorado a bit. They sit right now, uh, as we look at the Western Conference standings, as the last wildcard team. But uh, they've got a plus 14 goal differential. They've won six of their last 10. Uh, still kind of in a little malaise after winning the Stanley Cup, but I still think in very good position. Maybe the game of the night is in Boston. The Bruins playing host to Vegas. Of course, you've got the best team in the East in Boston. They have not lost at home so far this year. 14 consecutive wins to start the season. Vegas has kind of settled down just a bit from their amazing start. Just 5-4-1 and one in their last 10, but still most points in the uh, Western Conference. So as they like to say, the cliche, maybe a possible Stanley Cup preview. We know that never ends up happening, but still it's possible. 8-30, the Washington Capitals and Edmonton take on the Oilers. I mean, these are you know two teams that have really underachieved, especially Washington on the outside look in but whenever you get uh, Sidney Cross, whenever you get Alexander Ovechkin, you've got McDavid and Drysaddle. A lot of talent on the ice tonight at eight thirty. Should be fun. Uh, Coyotes in Calgary to take on the Flames. Is the Flames? You know they got to get themselves going as well. They're on the outside looking in for a playoff spot. Uh, Montreal will be in Vancouver to take on the Canadiens. If Montreal wants to fancy themselves as a playoff team, this is a game that they would like to be able to get. Uh, Montreal right now, very average over their last 10, but they sit four points out of a playoff spot. And they've got uh, two games in hand on the Rangers to be able to pass them. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, later on tonight with that. Uh, that should be a fun game as well. And, of course, we mentioned the big game tomorrow, a bunch of them, actually. But the biggest game is going to be that Maple Leaf Stars game in Dallas uh, Jason Robertson, 18 consecutive games with a point. Mitch Marner, 18 consecutive games with a point. First time that's ever happened in the history of the National Hockey League. So that should uh, be a lot of fun. So here's the lay of the land for me. Uh, I should be able to get a podcast out to you on Wednesday um, because I'll have a little bit of a down down period because I'm going to be in Vegas calling the Rangers Golden Knights game. So I'll be doing the K show from the arena uh, but it's one of those things with the three-hour time difference. My morning skate's going to go right into the K-Show and then um, a chance to be able to do the podcast. So we'll be back with you on Wednesday. And then Friday I'll be in Denver for the Rangers and the Avalanche. So you see it doesn't get any easier for the Rangers. Kind of a Jekyll and Hyde Blues team tonight. Then you go out west for Vegas and Colorado. And, oh, by the way, you'll return home a week from today to take on those pesky New Jersey Devils back at Madison Square Garden. So we'll see if the Rangers can get uh, some points tonight. Uh, I will be on the pre and post for the game tonight, and I'll be on the call uh, for the road trip uh, the rest of the way. So thanks to EJ Raddick. It was a lot of fun talking to him. We'll be back with you on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.